Hello, listener. Thank you for tuning in to The Rotation. In this episode, you will learn from Dr. Crystal Burkhardt. She shares some great insights into not only leading students through ambulatory care rotations, but some ideas on ways to establish and maintain interprofessional collaborative relationships. If you happen to work in other fields in the pharmacy, I, am, I still imagine you will find this episode helpful as we touch on several ideas related to facilitating learning that are not necessarily pharmacy specific. Thank you for joining us today. Our guest is Crystal Burkhart, who's a clinical professor with us at the University of Kansas School of Pharmacy. And uh, her focus is uh, in practice is uh, geriatric medicine. And I'm really grateful for her to, to spend some time with us just to talk with us about her, her rotation and um, you know, how she works with students and, and all of that. So uh, Crystal, thanks again. And uh, just kind of start off by just telling us a little bit about more about yourself and your and your work. Yeah. Um, well, thanks, Kevin, for having me join here and, and share some of my my insights, experiences over the years. So, I am uh, my practice site currently is at the University of Kansas Medical Center in our ambulatory care clinics with a focus on our geriatric patient population. So, I have a great team of geriatricians that I get to work with on a regular basis, um, both in an interprofessional um, setting where my students get to see patients alongside the team together in those shared um, visits, as well as having a pharmacist-directed um, service that we align with our general primary care services at the med center. So we have family medicine, internal medicine, and then our outlying clinic um, areas. But I get the opportunity to, again, get those complex geriatric patients that have multi-complexity, multi morbidity and um, get to help with managing their medications and helping with medication optimization. So my, um, I don't know, is that a, a good overview kind of of what we're, what I'm doing? Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Great. I see some familiar names on the, the screen. So I want to say a shout out and hello to those that I've been able to work with in the past. It's great to see your name. And if you want to share your, your, your video, I'd love to see a smiling face as well, so. <laughs> uh, Crystal, with, when it comes down to like student rotations, do you, what does that look for, look like for you? Do you have two students every month or, or are you like once a, every other month? You know, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, so I usually um, ask to have two students because I just feel that there is a great synergy when there's multiple learners there um, in the practice setting, I don't have any scaffolding of learner levels. So I don't take residents at the same time as I have um, pharmacy students, just because of the um, number of patient contacts that I'm able to manage uh, during that time. So I'm in the ambulatory care clinics for those that have just joined recently in the geriatric space. Um, and so I have two students that usually are rotating with me and I take those students on months that I don't have as much didactic teaching responsibilities. So it ends up being about half a year that I have students on rotation with me um, in those clinic spaces. So for their clinical activities, um, they're probably in clinic about 50% of time, which aligns with my um, job requirements and um, efforts that I have with the university. So they will spend a full day in our CMM, our Comprehensive Medication Management um, Program, 
service. So that is the pharmacist seeing the patients either by telehealth, telephone, or in face-to-face -face visits and managing and adjusting, starting, stopping medications as they have been consulted to us from their primary care doctor. Um, again, I focus in on our older adults. So oftentimes the reason for those referrals are for polypharmacy, um, medication tapers, high-risk medications like our benzodiazepines, tricyclics that we're trying to wean off, um, just working recently with some opioid tapering efforts for those patients. Um, but being able to kind of manage or allow the patients or the students to help manage those patients alongside. Um, the other clinical services that they're involved in are interprofessional teaching clinics. So we have a student teaching clinic as well as a geriatric fellows teaching clinic. And these are, again, our more complex patients that need multiple eyes on them, um, multiple lenses to be seen. So our pharmacy students get to work alongside physical therapy, social work, medicine, um, dietetics and occupational therapy in those spaces. So they're having a shared visit with um, two or more of those um, professions alongside to really design the care plan and facilitate the care for those patients. Um, so when they're not in clinical care, they're one, working up in, in chart reviewing in order to prepare and get ready for those visits. Um, I. I always do because these are very complex patients and I see our students really um, benefit from the conversation before going into that clinic to increase their confidence, increase their um, ability to really take on that care that they're um, leading with the, the pharmacist lens. So I do spend um, usually a couple of hours ahead of each clinic reviewing the patients that the, the students have worked up in a graduated Pattern. So when we start the rotation, we review all of the patients that they're going to see. By the end of the rotation, I'm bridging them to the point where they might um, highlight in, in detail their um, two or three most complex patients that they're going to see during that week and let their workup kind of stand as they enter into those visits with the patient. So lots of patient care, um, lots of review and discussions, deliberate conversations around um, that which allows in the ambulatory care, I think that that flexibility. Um, additionally, they have a number of different projects that we do throughout the month. So I have a journal club, a interprofessional geriatric journal club. Sometimes the student is leading that. Sometimes they're just participating in that as one of our other colleagues is um, directing that conversation. They will each present a what we call our Jerry Farm case. So they get to select a case that they encountered and provided care for during their rotation month and highlight and to our geriatrics team. So this is interprofessional again with medicine, physical therapy, nursing, social work that can attend or that oftentimes attend. Um, so they present the case, what, what their polypharmacy concerns were, but then also dive into a um, focused geriatric lens conversation. So that's one project that they work on. And then we have a number of different topic discussions that we that I facilitate at the beginning of the month. And then we graduate again to them leading the conversation for the three of us. So usually the other student and myself. Um, so they get a chance to learn as well as teach what they've learned um, in that space. And I would say that those are the, the usual standard um, activities. There's other things that come and go depending on the month and activities that are associated or available during that time.
that was long-winded, a very long-winded answer. <laughs> no, no that, that's perfect, Crystal. Yeah, thanks. Uh, those details are great. Um, in, in this space, we spend a lot of time talking about um, the importance of like preparing students and explaining your expectations and setting those expectations ahead of time. Um, and I know you do a lot of that. What what do you think is still sort of like the biggest shock for students like on the first or the second day of the rotation? Um, I would say in my space, um, it's really that they get to um, collaborate with these other clinicians. So interprofessional is definitely, um, I always I kind of jokingly say it, but I think it's it's very true that geriatrics is one of the best team sports in medicine. Um, so they really get to work and engage with the uh, with my other colleagues, as well as their student learners um, across the the time that they're they're in on rotation with me. So I would say I think that that's usually a, a shock for them, even as much as I um, prep them and say, okay, this is this is what it's going to look like. This is how it's going to flow. Those first um, two days of clinic are a little bit unsettling because it's not a role that they're used to being in as a, as a pharmacy student um, and let alone having my colleagues who are very pharmacy friendly and very student engaged that actually turn to the students and say, well, what do you think? Um, and, and, ex and really expect the students to, to bring forward some thoughts or questions or just um, bouncing ideas around with them. So I think that that in my practice setting is despite as much orientation as I can do with these students or with each of my student sets is, is definitely a surprise for them when they walk into those spaces. Yeah, for sure. Um, with that interprofessional collaboration, can you describe, and you know, I'm familiar with what we've been doing with at KU, but can you describe just the ongoing effort it takes to maintain those, those relationships with the other other healthcare providers? Yeah, so I think it's it's easy in our um, our health system because our our partners are used to teaching others um, as well as having me around as a pharmacist. But I would say that that, that doesn't just happen overnight and doesn't maintain just because. Um, I think that there's a lot of intentional collaboration, conversations, um, learning how I can best support their patients, um, learning how they can best partner with me um, and what, what resources and tools I can really provide. Um, it, I, I feel lucky that I have an office space that is right next door to all of my geriatricians. Um, so they see me every day I'm, I'm in that space. Um, I see them and so it's a casual conversation. It's actually developing um, relationships, friendships, uh, respect outside of that, that clinical care and that I have let them know how to best access me. So when I'm not there, how can they reach out to me in order to you know, bounce a quick question off, drop a um, deeper drug information question my way to be fielded by my students, by myself, um, in that we, we turn those around. They, they know that we're going to be coming back with that information. So they've, I've developed this pattern of, hey, if it's, a, if, if it's just a quick sideline conversation, um, I can answer that within the minutes of having that conversation. Or if it's something that we need to dive in a little bit deeper. And usually it's more of a deep dive because they've already done that surface look at things. Um, so they know that I'm taking the time to be intentional around finding that, that answer um, or scheduling that patient into my, my clinic care for, for follow-up. 
So okay, I think there's a yeah. lot of intentionality that has to happen and proof of, of evidence. So they know <laughs> yeah. that what I say is what I do and what they get when, when they um, have that collaboration. Right, yeah, for sure. Um, what advice would you have for somebody that maybe doesn't have as much like proximity to other healthcare providers yeah. as, as you do, but they, you know, they're really interested in developing this kind of, kind of practice? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I feel like I've been really blessed to be um, previously in the VA environment and then here in this space. But I think that there's a lot of um, opportunities for us to share in conversation what our, our skill set is. I think that we have um, a perception from, from the public as to what a pharmacist is. And we know as pharmacists what those what those other things are that we can provide. Um, and just being willing to um, put your arm out, reach out to connect with them and say, hey, can I just spend you know, maybe 15 minutes talking to you about what I might be able to offer or, what you're, or to hear what your problems are that you're facing when it comes to medication, safety medication utilization of your patient population. And hearing from them what those concerns are and saying, hey, this is where I could maybe help and be a partner in solving those for you um, or solving them for your patient, I think is, is the biggest piece is always keeping that patient care out there in the forefront. Um, so it's really looking at those early wins. I know I've been in spaces where um, even though I was in the VA and I have been in KU, I've met resistance um, with those providers that say, no, I got it. I've been doing this long enough. Um, I know how to take care of medications and I know the medications that I prescribe. Um, so it's finding that champion who's willing to say, okay, you want to give this a shot? Let's see what happens. Um, I think that, that really happened in our primary care services at KU. We had an excellent leader at the top of the ambulatory services who had had previous interactions that were positive with pharmacists. And I came in to do a research project um, with him or ask, hey, let's, let's work together on this research plan. And he just took it up and said, why are we not doing this here at KU? And having that loud voice um, and that I think that that leadership that said, yes, this is right for us, it took a little bit for, for the uptake. Um, but shortly after um, in, embedding a pharmacist in that space, we saw the demand come. And it wasn't all of the providers, thank goodness, <laughs> because we would not have been able to, to handle all of those providers coming on board at the same time. But that, that word starts to trickle. Oh, well, they did this for me. Um, oh, maybe that, that's, a, that's a big problem that I have with my patients. Maybe they can help support that for me as well when they talk to their colleagues across the, the um, course of time. So I think it's finding those champions leaning into what you can do to help solve a problem. And then you can start to expand from there into areas that you're um, maybe more skilled for or more uh, are at a higher level. So I, I know I, I always remember a story when I was at the VA and trying to make the little wins with my new um, PAC team. And I sat with one and I would, I mean, I didn't have any patients, they weren't referring them to me. So I went and sat with each of them and said, oh, well, let's talk about what, what concerns or where you seem to be hitting a wall with medications. And with one provider, it started to be testosterone level and testosterone treatment management. 
not something that I had done routinely in the past, but I, it was in my wheelhouse. And so I became known as the testosterone expert um, for that, that small clinic space. And then I was able to win over into the diabetes management, the comprehensive deprescribing processes that were really um, very, very much happening there as well, so. All right, very interesting. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, so we always like to ask ask these questions too: stories of struggle, stories of success. Um, can you highlight, you know, something, uh, experience that you've had with a student that was either struggling and you're able to turn them around, or um, things that you you've done with students like that? Yeah, I think one of um, I don't know. I feel like I, I've had students that maybe weren't quite up to a level of expectation as they came on to um, the rotation month with me. I tend to um, take just because of the complexity of my patient population and that intensity of the interprofessional experience, I tend to take students in late fall and into the spring after they've had other opportunities under the belt, their belt, um, just to to maybe ease them into that process. But if they're not yet at that baseline level of expectation, how do I bring them up? Um, and every student learns at a different rate at different times and has different strengths. And I think that with the way that I set up the start of rotation and hearing from the student during that, that first day, you know, where have you struggled? Where do you feel like you have some strengths? How can we capitalize on those strengths? How can we build up those um, maybe deficiencies or lower um, performance? But that's also giving me an opportunity in those first few days of the rotation to really know what I need to be watching for when I'm watching their interactions, when I'm talking through them with um, the topic discussions or patient reviews, is that I can hone in on those you know, knowledge deficits, or even talking with the Office of Experiential. This is a student who, you know, had some struggles as they were coming through the didactic um, coursework. So learning what where there might be those deficiencies so I can focus in and do my initial assessment and then coming to the student and saying, hey, you know, I've noticed this. What have you noticed? What have you been working on? What have you tried? And really coming up with a shared plan for them, just as we do with our patients. So really meeting them at that point of where they're at and being able to say, okay, well, this is where we need to get you and what's the best course of action and bringing in resources, just as we do with our, our diabetic patients. We might need to bring in that um, other educator to help and in, in watch and in view things, um, just as we might need to have that diabetic educator provide a little bit of guidance and direction for our patients so that they can best um, engage with our medication management plan. So I would say that that's probably been my, my usual routine when I see a, a student, see I go back and forth with patients here, <laughs> um, when I see a student who is, is struggling or maybe not meeting those expectations, uh, is, is having that intentionality around it and setting small um, incremental growth points on a weekly basis. So another thing that I do um, routinely in my rotation is every Friday I do a week in review and a week preview. So we sit down intentionally and it may be with both students depending on how they're performing or it might be on a one-on-one -on -one basis if I have a student who I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned with, but I'm able to set that stage um, pretty well there at the first, first Friday. 
and say, okay, what did, what did you see? Um, because oftentimes our students do know where they're deficient or they might have a, a sense of that, but I think it's also a great growing point to be able to um, have them self-recognize that. That's that lifelong learner. They, they're gonna need to do this as they enter into their career. So the sooner we can teach them that or, or guide them through that process. So take a minute, reflect, what went really well this last week? Where did you have some successes? Where did you have some wins? Um, and then flipping it on the other side. So where did you wish that you could have done things a little bit better? Wish you would have done things differently than what you executed? Um, because nine times out of 10, they're probably already kicking themselves for something that you notice them doing as well. So having that, and it just makes it an easier conversation when it's already self-recognized instead of me coming at them and saying, do you realize that you did this? And then they start to get defensive. <laughs> so I think that that's been a really um, good strategy for me to incorporate with that week review. And then as we identify places where they want to work on or develop further, saying, okay, well, this is what, what the opportunities are next week or what we might be able to incorporate later on into the rotation. So where do you want to have and position your growth points across this effort? Um, and so then I, I make a little note and I actually have a sticky note, use two sticky notes on my um, laptop, one that says, these are the things that I'm tuning into. And then another one of, these are the drug information questions that have come in during that time. It's just a way for me to keep track of those things. So every time I'm, I'm sitting down to talk to the students and saying, okay, well this week, remember, you're gonna be focusing in on your patient education and, and make sure you're doing those pauses and you're not, filling out two minutes of information and then asking them to repeat it. So small nuggets um, so that I have a chance to remind them of what they're focusing in on. And then I'm intentionally watching for those behaviors because um, it's a lot easier um, when we're doing small nuggets versus saying, in, and we have specific behaviors that we're looking at versus saying, oh, you need to improve your patient education. So really working to have those specific um, behavior focused um, changes. Yeah, great. Thanks, Crystal. I, I appreciate you talking about that a little bit. I, I, I really do. Um, it sounds like I, uh, I, I really appreciate your ability to create the psychological safety for the students to, to be, you know, just upfront on what they're what they need to work on, even within sort of that high stakes environment of those complex patients that you're working with. So I, I, I think that's really, really, really commendable and I appreciate it. Um, at this point, I want to turn it over to um, other attendees if you have any questions or comments for, for Crystal to share, but we've got a couple of comments in the chat here. Hi, Crystal. Hi. I have a quick question for you. So we're coming to the end of the semester here and the students are starting to lose a little bit of steam. What mm -hmm. strategies do you recommend for preceptors to kind of help them get through the finish line? Yeah, great question. Um, I would say really that putting the onus on them, they're in these last two months before they're gonna be sitting for the boards and they're gonna become that pharmacist that licensed pharmacist. So I really think that this is the place where the rubber hits the road for them and they're starting to feel maybe oh my that oh my gosh feeling I hope of 
and, and a bit of confidence too. I hope that they have that confidence as well. But maybe I think that that's where I always open up the month of, well, where do you see yourself as you're moving into this end of, in, your, in the start of your career? What information do you need to glean from this rotation in order to make that job even better for you? So they might be um, coming onto a community rotation and they're planning to be a staff hospital pharmacist. So really being able to help them understand, you know, where does that transition of care concerns come in? What, is, what do they need to know about this space that their patient is gonna be coming through in order to better care for them in that practice setting that they're moving into? Um, so I know that this at this point, there's a lot of students that have residencies, maybe even um, a couple of job offers on the table. Um, so really listening to them and saying, hey, um, I know that this might not be what you have planned for your career, but what are the elements at this rotation um, that we can translate into that? Or even as your future, future career step, um, you never know when you might change. Um, I was actually talking with a, um, past student that I had over a decade ago. And um, as he was on rotation with me and he, he provided this reflection for me, he goes, I didn't think I was gonna use anything that you were teaching me. And now I use it all, all the time. <laughs> so you just never know when that knowledge is going to need to be leaned on. And he said, you know, when I made that first transition, I said, well, I did this with Crystal. I could probably do this as a job for a little while. Um, so just being able to open up that window for whatever that next step after their initial career or how that might help them with their current career step that they're planning, um, I think is a nice way. And making it so it's not a monotonous routine. Um, that's maybe me just as my preference. Um, I, I joke with the students, there's no two days that are the same um, in a week. There's sometimes some reflective similarities as we get into our patterns weekly, but um, keeping things fresh, keeping things new, getting new topics that they're interested in. So if there's a specific area that maybe you can help them as they're board prepping, um, have exposure to that because it's in your wheelhouse of information and knowledge, I think is also another um, nice way to kind of engage the, the student at hand that's with you. I love my April rotations because I'm like, okay, you're gonna see older adults everywhere. So let's think about um, what you need to be taking away from this rotation in order to, to make sure that they're getting safe and effective and appropriate care as they move into your future practice. Other questions? Thanks, Jessica, for that. Hey, can everybody hear me okay? Yeah, definitely. Hey, I'm Zach, and this is Sam, the resident, and we're at Alight the Medical. Uh, so I'm the ambulatory care pharmacist here at Alight the Medical Center. Um, it's a relatively new position. We kind of started it from scratch back in uh, July of last year. Uh, so we finally have gotten everything established. We have it approved full-time, and we're starting to uh, now kind of work on collaborative practice with physicians and having new services. Uh, you know, I, I, when you were talking about your time, uh, at the VA where you were like, I wasn't getting consulted initially and just kind of had to go sit and speak. That's kind of what I did was just, I would just go to the providers and ask, hey, 
the, you know, are you running any roadblocks, kind of like you were saying, and now it's kind of become a console service. But I was just curious if you have any advice for um, kind of establishing uh, those actual services of, you know, medication reconciliation for patients. We're looking at doing one here in the future where we have patients scheduled to come in, um, kind of doing, mm -hmm. we, we work primarily with geriatric and internal medicine, geriatric population. Uh, we also do family mm -hmm. medicine practice as well. Um, but I was just curious if you have any, uh, you know, tips or kind of things that you've seen that's been helpful in establishing that um, and kind of where, you know, you would recommend us going or any recommendations. I would really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so let me just make sure I'm, I'm framing the right response here. So looking at more of how do you move it from just a sideline conversation consult to, you know, intentional um, engagement with a protected time for that, that patient visit. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, it is a hard transition, but I think our, you have to have a, a provider champion who sees that value and um, still being able to have that flexibility for the, the service that you have established already. So maybe you know alternating half days where one morning you're in the clinic, able to have those sideline conversations versus the next morning, you have a scheduled um, visit where you can have those follow-up patients be seen. Um, or even say, hey, I can, I can flex and have a scheduled visit um, where they said, hey, I need you to, to come in and see this patient, but it needs to be outside of their space. So I think space is a place that always starts to get a little tight um, in this. And we ran into that um, at KU as we were starting our services, but now as they've expanded and, and opened up additional space, we have a, co a committed space for our pharmacist. Um, but I think it's really getting that champion and saying, um, what can I put, what, what can you refer to me that I can routinely manage and have that follow-up with the patient? So I, I do, we started out with, I think, six different reasons for consult. It was polypharmacy, hypertension management, um, device education, did I say diabetic medication, and then high-risk medications. So these were things that our providers were saying, I need your help on, but they weren't necessarily things that I had to do right immediately with that patient in the, the visit um, time with that doctor. So it might be, you know, you sit beside them and you do that initial um, education. You say, hey, I want to see you back in two weeks just to verify that I've got your medications right and that you have that inhaler technique done and that you're using that albuterol less so that we, we can close that loop of the therapeutic um, treatment plan for the patient. Um, so can you help them and take that follow-up visit reason off of their list for when the patient comes back in three months and you're getting it done in a month timeframe for that provider? And then when they come in for that three-month visit, they can actually start talking about the hypertension or the um, OSA that they need to be diagnosing. So just being able to show them that you're not taking, but you're adding to the success of what they can do on the diagnostic side of care for the patient, while you can help with that monitoring and safety um, efficacy outcomes for the medications for the patient. Great. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's really, really helpful. And those are kind of we were kind of actually coming up with recently like these consult reasons, but that's really helpful that you have some like the high risk medications and obviously polypharmacy. Um, so that'll really help 
uh, with practice moving forward and I'll uh, definitely be implementing some of that. So thank you so much. I, I appreciate the, the yeah. response. And really looking at what your um, team's quality measures are that they need to achieve and maybe are falling a little bit short, short that then they can introduce a new service line into um, that's gonna help with meeting those and bringing then funds into their their practice as well. Yeah, I just got an email with five of our quality, five of the major uh, insurance quality metrics. So that's that's what we're kind of gonna start there targeting. With so that's perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. What other questions? Hi, oh, Dr. Hey, Hi, how are you? <laughs> Great to see you. Great to see you. Um, I had a question. So I've taken several students as a resident and now in my primary care site, um, I've had a few, but um, I kind of have gotten the feedback that they feel that, you know, it's just a lot of hypertension and diabetes. And I know you'd mentioned um, you try to provide some variety. So I was just curious what your strategies have been to improve variety in your rotation so that your students don't feel like they're just managing diabetes and hypertension all the time. Yeah, that's that's a great question, Madison, um, because that is oftentimes one of the major reasons that I'm seeing patients. Um, we have a very strong referral pathway for hypertension and diabetes, and I'm usually looking at the realm from hypotension to hypertension with my older adults. Um, what I do to kind of help with that variety sometimes is to be able to back up and look at the whole patient and then be able to dive into their other disease states, whether they're well-managed or might need some help, um, and whether that's a reason for consult or not, just to allow for that, I would say, academic conversation for them to explore other disease states. So many times our diabetic patients aren't just diabetic. Um, they have other, and maybe even new disease states that aren't commonly seen but allowing the student to do that full workup and have a full conversation. And maybe with a busy um, patient panel, you're not able to go through all of them, but you have the student, maybe select two or three that you dive deeper into with them um, as you're prepping or, or closing out the day um, for those, those visits with the, with the team. I don't know if that might be something that's able to be rolled into your, your schedule. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because um, there's there's oftentimes not that flexibility. You're seeing eight to twelve patients in a day, and you don't have that that luxury as as I do to build it in. Um, but maybe even I know I have a colleague who has the the students do a formal write up, so that could give them the opportunity to even practice some of their formal documentation. Um, where they do a write-up and analysis of the, the status of each of those other disease states and what they might recommend for a treatment. And then in some downtime or over your lunch, you might be able to, to provide some comments back to them um, in the document, kind of exchange that way as an, as an option. I don't know if that... Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. I feel like I've you know, tried to incorporate some of that with the students, but definitely something I want to continue to expand on while I take more students this next year. Yeah, well, and even thinking about your practice partners that you have, can you design um, that educational sessions where 
you know, we re you routinely pass around if you all take students. Um, I always do the the asthma talk and somebody else does the hypertension talk or not hypertension because they see that in your patients, but um, taking some of those other COPD or hypothyroidism and having those topic discussions or even flip it and have the students um, towards the end of the month after they've seen maybe two or three of those have the students lead those conversations because then they have to teach back, which means that they know the information even better. And then that's less work on you too. So. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Great questions. Another question. Um, one last question. Um, you have been a preceptor of the year several times. What advice do you have for new preceptors on how to be successful? Yeah. Um, well, Kevin and I were sideline conversation um, talking about that too. And um, I have to disclose that my precepting style has definitely evolved over the years. Um, and probably my past students would, would echo that when talking to my more current students. Um, I think probably one of the foundational pieces I would have told myself way back when is that I don't have to know everything. You don't have to have an answer for everything that the student comes to. And that shows them that you're that lifelong learner and that you can recognize where your knowledge is and where it stops and where you have to continue to grow it. Um, I don't think I heeded those that advice very well as a, a new practitioner, as a new teacher. Um, I thought I had to be the, the sage on the stage per se uh, for, for a portion of that. Um, and that I had to kill myself to make sure that I knew and could anticipate every single question that the students might come to me with. Um, and that you can always turn it back to the students and say, hey, that's a really great question. Um, why don't you take some time explore that because I, it's not something that's going to necessarily change how we care for the patient right now, but let's come back to that conversation and then give yourself that grace too, to, to grow in and learn and um, advance your knowledge as well. Um, and sometimes even telling the student, I don't know that, that's a great question. Um, let's look it up together. And then you can model how you go about that literature search, how you go about that information finding, what are the resources you lean on in order to answer those hard questions that are posed. So um, know what you know. Um, you guys are all great experts in the areas that you're practicing and the patient care that you're providing. Um, but but those, those areas where we can show the students how we learn and how we approach that in real time as real clinicians, um, I think is important too. So that would probably be my, my pie in the sky advice I should have given myself and could have saved a lot of late hours of, <laughs> I've got to know everything, <laughs> anticipation. Okay, great. It's a really good discussion, really good questions, really good comments. Um, I think that time-wise, that probably is a good good place for us to wrap. Thanks again to Crystal Burkhart for joining us uh, for our March Preceptor Forum. And uh, 
everybody, if you want to stay on and, and ask anything. Thank you for listening. I find myself still thinking about Dr. Burkhardt's comments about creating interprofessional collaboration. In short, regardless of discipline, if there are ways in which we see a way to help our other colleagues be more efficient, successful, provide more effective patient care, or be more productive as an organization, dive in. Get specific with your colleagues. Understand what their goals are and see how you can fit into that work. Having a specialization is only valuable if you understand how to effectively share that specialization with your colleagues, your organization, and community. If you have any topic suggestions or feedback for me, do not hesitate to email me at ktfullerton at ku.edu.